Jake, what's going on, man? First time we've had five of us in like probably six oh, months. Oh, wow. Probably six Many, months. many, many months. Something big must have happened. The occasion <laughs> commanded it. Jose out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, do you read the reports? What? That he, he, the only reason he left was because of the Super League. Levy was announcing no. it. Yeah. The, the report is that Levy was announcing it and Jose was like, I'm not going to do it. Like, this is ridiculous. Obviously, that is very probably could not be true, but that is like one of the reports I read because it doesn't really make sense for him to have left yesterday. Like, why did he leave yesterday, six or days before the, the final? Yeah. They were trying to bury it, maybe. It's the only reason I can think of, but yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. And a lot of the social media seemed happy, but that could also just be, Marino you was know, like, a front. was pretty like content when he was leaving. Like, he wasn't like bitter. Yeah. He seemed pretty full of himself, which makes me think that he knew and was like, I'm getting the hell out of here to save my face because like, this is the only way that it would look good for me to leave. <laughs> Report, yeah. I would be surprised if he dropped something in the next few weeks that says that he. Have you guys that. seen how, have you seen how much he's been paid by, uh, by his sackings between his like six sackings, he's been made $89 million. Jesus Christ. Bio clauses. Insane. Gotta be Mourinho's worst tenure of all time. Yes. Yeah. Only one without a trophy. Gotta be. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. been sacked six times. Yeah. How many times has Guardiola been sacked? Did he not leave has Guardiola like, ever been sacked? Did he not like leave Porto like voluntarily? I don't know. I, I saw it six clubs, or maybe it was five. It could have been five. Twice by oh, Chelsea. United, Tottenham. United, Spurs, that's four. Real then, Madrid, did they sack him? Yeah. They must have. They must have. So maybe it was five. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm bum flicks leaving uh leaving Munich because now I think Nagelsmann, Nagelsmann might go there instead. It's a little more of an appealing job than uh than Tottenham, to be honest. Really? But, I don't know. Um, it's Bayern, yeah. Oh, funny. But yeah, it's it's good. It'll be cool to see Flick on the German national team. They were kind of getting stale under low, so it's a nice rejuvenation. We, we got a lot to talk about. Did we not just start. It, it, also, wait, Bob, before you start, we should we should implement like a minute or two talking per person to make sure that no one's like that. It's like a conversation, just a thought. Well, okay, I can I can share a potential structure here. This is you know out of the teacher book. But, you know, you just do a little share out, a little opportunity for everyone to talk. So Will would ask a question and then each one of us would get the chance to say something and then we would move on as opposed to our current structure, which is let me interrupt when I have something to say. I'm just, we don't have to do that. We can it's, just, there's less of a conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Eric, go for it. This is the Emergency Left Back Podcast with your host, Will Landis. Welcome back. Boys, what just happened? What just <laughs> happened? One of the crazier weekends, or I guess, craziest in football history, maybe the craziest. But we're kind of back at where we were a week ago, so maybe not not that crazy of news. Just kidding, just kidding. Welcome back, everyone. It's the Emergency Left Back Podcast. Today is April twentieth, twenty 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 one. And once again, if you are listening to the podcast. You have the opportunity to win a MacBook Pro. Should we break for our DraftKings ad? <laughs> this episode of the Emergency Left Back Podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Our uh, our our, our uh, con- contributor Jake would like to use DraftKings, but unfortunately, he lives in New York. So he has to lose his money illegally. Don't be like Jake. <laughs> use DraftKings. This podcast is also brought to you by our new sponsor, the European Super League. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it. What do you guys want to do first, Marino or Super League? Super League. Super League. Super League. Fence, let's hear it. All right. I was 
very emotional at the, at the breaking news. And I think it's something that's hard to understand. And it's something I realize is difficult to understand from an outside perspective or even a newcomer perspective. Because the, the role that the soccer teams play in the community of these teams is simply on another level that is hard to comprehend. And if, especially coming from the US where sports just does not have the same role in the community, in society, because there's so many different sports. It's less of a community built thing. It's an established billionaire sort of holding. It's not like these clubs came from the working men. These clubs were formed in the US, not by elites, but essentially with the understanding that it's not like you're, 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 you're a fan in a different way. So I think I was coming like to hear that this stuff was happening, having supported Chelsea my entire life and having been such a crucial part of like, not who I am, but being a Chelsea fan is such an enormous, I get so much joy from it and so much passion in my life from being a fan that hearing that they were going to leave the premier league and the champions league to start their own elitist club. I was so ready to stop being a fan and that would have broken my heart. But the idea of them doing what they did was like, abhorrent and I understood what it would do to the communities, not just London, but Europe as a whole, all of these communities that depend on the league one, the league two, the league three, just for some joy that broke my heart. And I was like, I was ready to, to jump ship and go support another club. If it went nuclear, needless to say, I'm so happy that Chelsea supporters stopped the buses. We're one of the first teams to pull out that, that gave me an immense source of pride, not to distract from the fact that they agreed to it and they only bowed out because of immense backlash, but to start it off, that's that's where I've been the past 48 hours. Anyone else? Yeah, I mean, I guess just to like put it in perspective for like an American audience a little more, um, you know, I, I, you know, we grew up in New York City, but I, I've been known to frequent uh, Hudson Valley Renegades games, um, who are the single A, um, the, the single A farm system for I believe like the Miami Marlins or something. I don't really know, honestly, but we have no competition where the renegades can make an insane run and all of the Hudson Valley can watch on national television as they take on the New York Yankees. Like if you can imagine sort of the sense of pride that you would have as a, as a Hudson Valleyite uh, in seeing something like that happen, that is what there is the potential for in the quote unquote open system of, of English football. Um, the thing that saddened me, Spence spoke beautifully to as a Chelsea fan, so I'm, I'm not even going to go more on that. The thing that saddened me even uh, secondary to that was how much this was attributed, rightfully so, to the influence of American owners um, and, and American ideas uh, penetrating the uh, the international uh, football culture. Um, and, you know, it's true to some extent, you have uh, the Glazers, Fenway Sports Group, uh, et cetera. Um, and, you know, it, there was a, a really good article, I forget exactly where it was, that was, you know, there are so many things that um, American sports could give to international football culture, which, which might actually make some sense and make them better. Uh, for example, you know, a salary cap um, and, and things of that nature. Um, and what it's going to be known for like now and for the foreseeable future was trying to perpetrate the most abhorrent application of intense late capitalism to a sport that has, for the most part, 
been by and for the people uh, for the duration of, his of its existence. So I had like a different reaction to the news of the Super League when it happened. And you may call me a yank, but I did not like react to it immediately viscerally and be like, this is intrinsically in and of itself the worst thing in the world, right? Like, um, and I actually thought that there could be some positives to it. So I'll start with the positive and then I'll go to the negatives, which you all have raised already. But one positive that I thought could happen was, first of all, a shift in power away from FIFA and UEFA, who are now already in like the media narrative of how this all went down, being portrayed as like the valiant defenders of the game of and by the people, et cetera. And we all know and are perfectly aware that FIFA and UEFA are some of the most corrupt organizations in all of sports, presiding over a World Cup in Qatar right now, right, which is literally being built by quasi-slave labor at the cost of thousands of lives and is fueled by corruption. So just looking at it from the start and saying any shift in the game away from these organizations, even if it was towards a conglomerate of multinational elite football clubs and corporations could potentially be a positive for the game of soccer. So that was my first thought. My other thought was that as a fan, like I do think the Champions League could be reformed. I do want to see, like I've said in the past, the best teams playing each other on a regular basis, as opposed to once in however many years, right? And I want to see teams from smaller countries have less of an opportunity to participate in the league. Like, I don't want to see Liverpool play Mighty Land. I don't want to see these teams from Eastern Europe with the crazy fans and like the violent tackles and all the things that are wrong with those situations playing against the Premier League teams and all the Premier League players getting injured. Like it, it's, it's right now, it's a poor product the way it is. I'm glad they're reforming it. But those were two of the positives that I saw in it as, as potential. The thing that was like wrong about it, obviously, was first of all, that it was closed. So the fact that like you, you didn't have to qualify for it anymore. I think you still should still have to qualify. I just think that there should be way more places for teams in bigger soccer countries. Like there should be six or seven places in England, for example, because it is absurd that FC Mighty Land qualifies in a year where the fifth place team in England doesn't. I don't think that that is, is the right way to run it. So I think that the closed shop was, was, was one problem. And the other problem, obviously, was the financial imbalance that it would bring to the domestic leagues. Um, but again, those two things in and of themselves, I didn't think were as problematic as like the nuclear power struggle that would have ensued with the teams getting kicked out of the Premier League, like the, the players not being able to go to the World Cup. That would have messed up soccer completely for like two or three years. We would have had a situation like a lockout. Yeah, more. A situation like a lockout in American sports where the whole experience of being a fan is just screwed up. So that more so than anything else was the part that I was really nervous about. Um, and like after thinking about it a little more, like I was also, I was also not sold on the whole thing itself. Um, but again, like I, I want to, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to add is a little bit of like nuance here and like a little bit of caution into saying like the battle has been won by the good guys. Cause it really hasn't. It's just been won by like other corporate forces, which are arguably just as evil, you know, or more, probably more so. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't that mad about it and I'm not that, I'm not that happy that it's been ended. I'm just happy that there won't be a power struggle. Yeah. So um, first thing I thought about when I saw that there was a super league and the teams, what teams were the family members was a point I made a few weeks ago about how like the teams that are in it are the teams of the decade, the teams that have been good this decade, but not necessarily in the past. And so creating a super league like that would kind of create a funnel where only those teams could kind of succeed in the future because they'd have all the money and there wouldn't be any turnover 
um, or real excitement. Another thing that I thought about was kind of just off of Noah's point is if FIFA and UEFA said, okay, or I guess FIFA said, you guys can't play in the World Cup if you're going to be in the Super League. And the owners ended up going through with that. And like Noah said, it would take two to three years for stuff to get back to normal. In the end, where does playing in a Super League versus playing in a World Cup register on a player's radar? Would that end up with players wanting to leave those teams in the Super League to go to, say, West Ham United, Leeds United, whatever, and then those teams would be, become the superior league, uh, the superior teams. And then the last point that I had is I just don't understand from – I get why the owners did it because of money, but I don't get how they thought they could kind of just drop this and face no backlash and let this thing go through. I mean, the reaction to this was so visceral. I've never seen anything like it in all of sports, how every single team, um, like, you know, Everton, Liverpool, or not Everton, I guess, but, you know, Tottenham and Arsenal fans banded together. Everyone was together fighting this. And I've, I've never seen it in any sport I've ever watched. There's never been a reaction like this. And I think it was really cool to see. And also to hear, you know, some of the reactions of my, my dad asking about it or someone who just doesn't really know about soccer and why it was such a bad thing to see the best teams play week in, week out. And I think kind of to Noah's point, a little bit of, to push against it with the smaller clubs being in the Champions League. I think if you had these top teams playing week in, week out in a, in a Super League like that, after, you know, a few years, the, or for the first few years, the viewership would go up because people want to see those teams play. But then after, say, two, three years, it'd become mundane. And I think the viewership would drop back down. And some of the excitement of having to wait, you know, six months for uh, PSG and Bayern to play, um, that kind of builds it up and builds that viewership up. And I think if they play week in, week out, it just wouldn't be the same. Um, I mean, at first I was excited for it from the American side of me, but then the more you think about it, the more you read about it, you realize that it wouldn't be the best thing for the sport by a long way. One, one quick point about the mundane thing, like I get that argument, but also part of sports is that we watch the same thing every year. The Premier League is the same thing every year. I'm still pretty excited I'm, by I'm it. Ta- I'm talking about for the, 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 not, the non-exciting the non sorry, dedicated fans for like the happened, average fans. Whatever happened to Leicester, 2016, 2017, 5,000 to one. The same, the same teams play each other every year. I mean, players change. Look at this year's top four. That's like, that, that's a great argument against that already. It's like, okay. yeah, the same teams are playing, but when there's different powers, like that's part of the fun is that there's not, not like, incre- like this would have cemented top heavy. I get that. But like the argument that, a Super League isn't a good idea because we want Liverpool to only play Real Madrid once every three years to make that matchup more special. Doesn't make sense to me because it would still be special if they play each other every year. Just like it's special when Liverpool play Arsenal every year in the Premier League. Right, but if it's strictly that level of, of competition, then when everyone's special, no one is, which is a line from The Incredibles. Um, <laughs> um, you know, if, if like Liverpool Real Madrid is that much more special because you know there are fantastic games between Liverpool Man City Liverpool and the the top six the big six um but you know the rest of their games are against quote unquote lesser competition so a Liverpool Real game is special but like I don't know I might tune out for Liverpool Tottenham if I know next week is Liverpool Barcelona um you know it, it there's there's an argument for the for the 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 scarcity of and, and you know Rory made this point even earlier on this year around televising games like there there just is something to like the scarcity of soccer and the scarcity of like what's supposed to be a brilliant matchup my my last point on this is that we hype up these games like to such an extent and i've said this before and like and they ha- very often fail to meet expectations like look at like matchups between the big six this season like so so deeply underwhelming uh, a lot of nil-nil draws in there. Anyway. Yeah, I, I just want to hit on some of the stuff no sex. I think I agree actually with most of it. And a lot of the arguments that were pro, I think in many are, are very true. And and I 
I'm really interested to see what happens because, you know, for what I said against American sports, what, what they lack in kind of the grassroots, they, in another way, make up for in power dynamics and the amount of power that the clubs have, the amount of players more than that the players have. And I think that's a reckoning that if, it, if we don't come out of this and soccer doesn't come out of this with some idea that, okay, like we reached a breaking point, something needs to change. And I think what needs to change is a complete dynamic shift in power and more the clubs need to have more power, not, not just the big six. Anyone who's in the Premier League at any given time needs to have that power. And also the players, there's like, there's no players union. These players were literally sitting around on twiddling their thumbs with absolutely no say in their entire career and future. They almost got banned from the World Cup and no one could do a thing about it. That is like such an awful position and one of the reasons why this happened and why football almost completely fractured. And if there's not a players union that comes out of this, like shame on them and shame on soccer because this would not happen with a proper players union with proper representation at the table. And that goes back to what Noah was saying with UEFA just being an incredibly corrupt organization that needs to have power wrestled away. I think what made me so upset was that these people weren't trying to wrestle power away from UEFA because they think they're corrupt. They wanted to wrestle the power away so they could be equally as corrupt and greedy. And that to me, not only would they have just kept the power, but they would have severely hurt every other club in European soccer. Whereas at least right now, you know, it's a viable system. It works. There's stuff wrong with it. But I think the alternative for what the Super League was going to create would be so much worse for every other club. It might have helped us watch the top 20 teams in the world. But to me, like, I, like you, those two things can't coexist. You can't have that ecosystem where clubs are able to, on their own merit, improve and work their way up the ladder like a Leicester, like a West Ham. And like that to me is so much important. The spirit of the competition is so much more important than having the ultimate form of competition in the 20 best teams, because ultimately you need these other teams to develop talent. You look at where all these top players come from. They come from all over the world, from all different kinds of programs and clubs and slums. And if the money is not at these lower clubs to develop. Um, the other thing uh, that I just wanted to say about that was, so my thought is um, I think they thought like the teams were going to hold strong. Like, I think because they'd been working for it so long, they, they thought like, regardless of the backlash, like, these teams knew the financial incentive that was in it for them and like would just hold because they're all in it for themselves as well. Like a, like a cartel, if anyone said, how did they not give them a legal obligation to continue if they originally said yes? Like how are they allowing these teams? It's up, we're out. Like our 20 year plan, it's over and we're looking to lose. It's it's just so strange. It wasn't, it wasn't 100% because it was contingent. And and soccer's corrupt. So there's that too. It's corrupt, but JP put down the 4 billion in debt contingent on them getting a television deal. If they didn't get the right television deal, JP could pull out at any point and say we're not going to front the four billion. So that like it's too big of a deal to not give them a, a, a backdoor out. Those poor analysts probably crying in their sleep right now. Yeah, we spent two years on a deal that fell through in like forty-eight hours. That's awesome though. Can you imagine um, doing that? I was just reading uh, was Blood and Oil about like uh, Saudi Arabia and they're like plan to redo the country it's called like Vision Twenty Thirty. And uh, the, the Crown Prince uh, Solomon has spent two trillion, or is going to plan on spending two trillion dollars in consulting fees over the next ten years. To whom? McKinsey. McKinsey and Oliver Wyman. Jesus Christ. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, he should also be in international prison, but that's for another yeah, time, I guess. Another story. Start a political podcast. Uh, yeah, tune in on Thursdays for Oh, I said emergency prime minister podcast. <laughs> also, one last thing. 
I think one of the funniest and most ironic headlines to come out of this is the fact that the greedy oligarchs and like Arab king princes were the reason that this. I'm excited to see what happens tomorrow. It seems like every day now, just more stuff comes out. Oh, speaking of which, Ted Lasso 2 release date announced. So, so, so excited. And it's already, it's already renewed for a third. Wow. According to my, according to my girlfriend, who's, who's, who knows this kind of thing. Uh, I really feel like uh, maybe forever. This might, this might doom them from the top of the perch for another 50 years. They needed this power move and like it was now or never because like they can't survive at this point. Who for Barcelona? No, Real Madrid. And, Bar and Barcelona. For and Barca, but Perez. Barca's like, Barca's like one billion in debt. Also, do you guys see the, speaking of Perez, he said that we should shorten game. He, well, he didn't say that we should. He mentioned that shortening games might help, um, you know, entice viewers, younger viewers to watch more games. And I was just laughing. Like, a soccer game's two hours long total. American football is like four and a half hours, four hours. And I mean, just a joke. That's like literally a total if you look at him speaking, he's like Darth Sidious at the podium being like... I yeah. saw like an Impractical Jokers meme when it was like, and then say we should shorten games and create a Super League. And he like, <laughs> it's like him, and then it like flashes back. It's great. Okay, Wait, also real quick. Imagine being an analyst at JP Morgan for the past like two years, working on this project. They're like, all right, we're going to create a Super League, but if you say anything, we're going to put you in prison for like 50 years. <laughs> just gotten divorced. Like, Just, just, just a point on that. I think that the divorce thing actually like, supports the point because he doesn't get divorced in the show he's like already like pretty much divorced and the divorce actually turns out to be like a good good thing like a good way to resolve the situation you know what i'm saying like there's no part where they're like fighting and like growing apart or something like that we're the emergency left back podcast not the rotten tomatoes podcast let's Fine. get tune in on wednesdays for the emergency tomato podcast yeah. it should be the emergency shrimp podcast i think spencer eats shrimp every single tuesday night yeah i was thinking about it like i i didn't like this was the only food i had like this is the only food i had to cook in my house <laughs> I've run into that problem. Not enough food in the kitchen. Oh, I, don't get me wrong. I love shrimp, but I, I was thinking that like it's basically three out of the four last times I think I've been eating shrimp on the podcast. So this is it actually a coach or podcast, Vince? So if you could... <laughs> yeah, please come on. So what podcast? So Chelsea drew Brighton today. Let's talk. Let's talk Mourinho. Um, what was that? Did anyone see my hilarious tweet? No. Uh, not I said, you hashtag like a 50-year-old man, which just makes sense. Is it on your Twitter or ours? <laughs> ours. It's, on the, it's on the podcast. No, I'm, no, I'm taking back control. I'm gonna change the password. What? No. No, Eric, you should Come create on. a uh, super Twitter account and break off. Hey, I have a question. On <laughs> the super tweet. Since since Reno became in charge at Tottenham, he's fourth in points in the Premier League, and he has a chance to win a trophy at Tottenham this weekend. It's a little strange, no? I'm telling you. He didn't like the Super League. He knew it was going to flop, and he got out of there. Noah, <laughs> what a tweet. <laughs> you like that tweet, Will? Listeners, I said, what did I say? Read it. I can't remember what exactly I said. Did Jeffrey Mourinho instigate this entire Super League controversy to distract from his own firing? Hashtag not the craziest theory on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what else is hashtag. Really that hashtags like, like oh, that. What a shocker. Nothing else has ever been tweeted under that hashtag. <laughs> I like It's that. original. That's like a James Milner. Hashtag. That's the point of a hashtag to not be original, so people find it under hashtags. <laughs> no, you don't get it. <laughs> you don't. You don't get it, old man. Teacher <laughs> now, old man. Teacher. <laughs> I've, I've, I've thought Mourinho should be sacked, and I thought he's a terrible manager for the past like five years. He just doesn't connect with his players. Like no one. Other, I mean, whatever. They all posted for him when no, got fired, but that's he's superficial. Nothing special. He is nothing special. And he, he was a horrible fit for. He was a horrible fit for Tottenham's team too. You can't play that defensive when you have no one on defense. Was, was it one of you guys that said that 
that Levy only hired him so because it's a big name for this Amazon show that's going to get him a lot of money. Like apparently that's what I heard. <laughs> uh, that was a rumor going around. I, I saw that as well. Very believable. Insane. Insane if true. That soccer is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Best. Best. And we Steven, Ger- Steven Gerrard has the third best odds to become Tottenham's next manager. There's so much drama. I mean, Gerrard. Interesting. I'd be crazy if that. Wow. I'm He's been insane with Rangers, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a hockey team. Right? Um. All right. Here's the autopsy on Jose. He took over Spurs right after they had lost in the Champions League final and were not doing great in the league. Now they spent a ton of money. They're still doing really bad. Harry Kane may leave. They have no identity as like a football team. It's not looking good. Um, He's left them much worse than he found them. I, I don't. I don't think that Kane will be sold. I don't think Kane will be sold this summer. I just don't think any team has enough money. Legal. Uh, legal money. Maybe Chelsea, but he won't go to Chelsea. I'll say. I'll say. We have, our, we have our pick of a. We have our pick of of excommunicated prem strikers, bro. Yeah, I, I sadly think you guys might get Holland on like an outside shot because now I think Real and Barso were gonna sign him when they got all that Super League money, but now they ain't got that. Man City, bro. I think I I would put. Dude, there's no way they can legally afford Holland. There's just no possible way. Who Chelsea? Especially, no, after, City. especially after Pep said that Like I feel like he wouldn't say that publicly. Like to then have egg on his yeah. face later. Like he, I feel like he wouldn't do that. But I'm just shocked. Like I thought Holland was signed by the Biden administration. If you want more zingers like that, check out our Twitter, but only from now on because I can't claim anything that was posted before before now. Um, Aguero is definitely going to Barcelona. Yeah, that's going to keep Messi there too, I think. His best friend. Oh, yeah. Argentina. They'd have, that, they'd have that green link in FIFA. But what were his moves during the end? Spencer, did you see Callum and um, uh, Reese were playing on the left and then he moved Pulisic to right wing back? I, like... You're trying to go all. I, 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 you're trying to go. Okay, yeah, I get that, but like Cho had like Callum of anyone has been, uh, has been the one to like put at right wing back. Like it's tried and proven that Pulisic just doesn't make sense there. Like why not have Callum there? Why were him and Reese playing on the wrongs? Like it was just very strange. I'm all down for odd attack. I don't understand why this was the time. I, I say this every time, and I'm usually wrong. This really wasn't the time to experiment this much. Like when we could more, like more so solidify a spot in the top four. I don't get playing Mount in a holding role for the first time ever now. It didn't work. Um, I don't get not playing Conte. That didn't work. Uh, so I, I think it's, a, they're playing seven, three games in seven days. Okay. Yes. They're playing yes. Brighton today. They're playing West Ham, which is an even bigger game on Saturday. And then they're playing Madrid next Tuesday. Fine. Uh, but Ow. there are ways to rotate this squad that weren't what he did. I agree with that. There's ways to better play, but I think it isn't like, I don't get me wrong. I'm super disappointed. And I think they played awful, but given that West Ham tied and Leicester tied and Liverpool or Leicester didn't tie, sorry, West Ham and Liverpool tied. And the fact that we play West Ham on Saturday, if we win Saturday, then it's, we're back in something of a driver's seat. Right. Okay. My, my last point on this was just, just with the, the, the central midfielders minutes, or we should have just let him go on loan. Like he's dying to see, you know, Billy Gilmore play. So like, if you want to rotate people, right. Like put mountain. Is- I, th- I think Tuchel's made, um, I think Tuchel's made Chelsea pretty boring, honestly, as a neutral, just like, it's not that fun to watch with Lampard. It could be like five, three, couple of the games. 
it's 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 just like a cold take i think like i i, I don't like we're winning games like it's functional like i yeah i guess at times like they play too much in possession or i, I don't know i don't i don't get that he came in this season like he's not he didn't come in to make it pretty he came in to win yeah. what are they, um, this what... has always been my beef with chelsea is that there's the big money and the pragmatism like i can get behind man city because they spend a lot of money but they play such attractive football that i can root for them but chelsea it's just like they spend all this money just to go play like a five three two or something. Like five two three. Like, what's the deal? One two. Thank you very much. And what? they have they have executed six, under two to one. some absolutely like brilliant attacking moves that are that are gorgeous to watch. Like it's some of the when it clicks, it is some of the best counterattacking football in the Premier League. So I, I truly don't know what you're talking. about. No, I'd rather you just it's say threat. that what Chelsea does, you're not going to like it, and they could spend a lot, they could spend a little, but regardless, you're not going to be happy. No, this is a trend that I had felt when they when Jose was the manager, and they did the same thing under Conte. I like them a lot under Frank. I like them more because we lost a lot. Yeah, because we lost more. Yeah, I liked that too. You were playing attractive football and losing. <laughs> we weren't playing attractive football. We we're not playing attractive that football. Was ugly because <laughs> you were losing, but from a neutral perspective. Uh, that's my point. <laughs> All I'm saying is they're no man city, but they spend like it, and they play like freaking Sheffield United. Relegated. They hold like so much possession. Sheffield United sits back and defend. We don't sit back and defend. We don't. That's just like a very easily defensible statement. Anyway. Um, so I just saw the fact that Ryan Mason will become the first sub 30 year old manager to coach a Premier League game to manage a Premier League game. Why is he why is he doing it? What he's their youth team coach, right? I know it's it's really weird. He's only coached for two years. Um and I, I honestly, I, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting call. I guess there must be a lot of, a lot of faith in him. And you know what? You give him the last seven games of the season to manage. Something good happens, it happens. And if not, like... I bet Levy's trying to buy some favor with the fans. It just, yeah, I mean, he's a fan favorite. People love him. And he's you know, got his career ended short because of injury. Um, and, like, he's played with the majority of the team. Um, so, I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see, like, what happens. It was such an obscure and, like, almost nonsensical move that I'm kind of excited to see his philosophy and what happens. Anything can be better than Mourinho at this point. I think they'll get someone in. Interest. I imagine it was hard to find a manager who would manage your club after announcing you had just joined the Empire of Darkness. (laughs) (laughs) Still Tottenham, though. It's still a big six. It would be like like trying to buy a lightsaber after you announced that you had joined the Death Star. No one's going to sell you that, you know. No lightsaber is going to be on your team. I was, you, was, was playing for the Death like Star. Two, you did two Star Wars references in a row. Yeah, I know. Sorry. No, I like. I this is like why. This is why I'm not allowed to tweet anymore. <laughs> ben, okay. Star Wars references. I like those. Ben, can you get up the 538 percentage, like for top four list for the Premier League teams? My hands are extremely. <laughs> like, I, got, I got it. I got it. I got it. But honestly, I could. I could think I could do it off memory because okay. I'm on dual, I'm on dual memory. I'm on, I'm on dual monitors. I'll okay, pull it up. Tell me what Manchester United odds are. To win the Premier League, like ninety-five. Everyone, wait, Man United or Man City to win the Premier League? Man U, they're eight points behind. Less than one percent. Teams remaining. Uh, It's been less than one percent for several months. Man City's had it locked up. It is less than one percent right now. What is it? Less than one (laughs) percent. They don't show it. So, what is it specifically, Jake? Don't dodge the question. It's the carrot, John. (laughs) <laughs> less than one percent i'm just saying you heard it here first Tottenham's odds to qualify for the uh the champions league are crazy high 4.2 six percent <laughs> what are wait you actually run them down yeah man city qualified man united greater than 99 carrot um leicester 70 which i think i would like 
I'm going to actually inquire with my New Jersey friends and see what it is to Lester not to qualify for the champions. On DraftKings. First bet, $100 off on, on DraftKings. Use code. <laughs> um, Liverpool, 57%. Chelsea, 7%. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, Chelsea, 40%. West Ham, 26%. Tottenham, 6%. Crystal Palace, less than 1%. It's interesting. They really think Leicester – like, they see a much clearer path for Leicester than for Chelsea, which I think is interesting. Maybe you have to play Man City. Who, who you would you play West Ham – Man City, Arsenal, and Leicester. Those are four of the last five games. You, Chelsea does? Wow. Yeah, that's brutal. And with, Madrid, with Real Madrid games in between. Yeah, with two Real Madrid games and possibly a game against Man City again. And would then you, another game against Leicester for the FA Cup. Would you guys rather have Burnley or Fulham be relegated? Because I would Fulham to stay up really badly. Me too. No, I like Burnley. I like Maja, but I have no real opinion on I like totally relegated. The bottom three. is pretty fun. Yeah, they're, they're not, 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 uh, Sheffield United relegated, West Brom 98%. Fulham ninety percent, and then this Burnley is a good 7%. bottom three. This is a good yeah, bottom three. Easy no, Fulham, Fulham should be higher up. They've been unlucky so many times. This is trimming the fat. I want uh, Dean, really. I want, I want to see. Yeah, the, he's going to be. I just don't think it's going to be with Barnsley. All right, let's see what. Let's see the La Liga. I'm intrigued. Barcelona forty nine percent. Forty nine percent. It's like the best oh, race in years. Race in years. Look, it's, it's crazy. The, the top three are separated by what? What's a What's a La Liga? We ever talked about that before? <laughs> I think it's an old wooden ship. <laughs> but no, there's crazy, teams are going to come out. There, there's crazy relegation battle and battle for the trophy this year in La Liga. I've been actually following it pretty closely. It's be insane. Yeah, you've been following it closely? Let's hear some analysis. Atletico Barca in like mid-May. is. Yeah, going that'll be huge. Real, Real Madrid had a chance, you know, keep the lead at the top this weekend. Disappointing draw with like Ibar or Cadiz or one of those teams at the bottom of the table. Um, Barcelona haven't won the big games this year, which has been their... They're stymie, and so I think I think if Barcelona beats Atletico, then they're going to win the league because the rest of their games aren't too tough. So they play like Athletic and Atletico. Oh, they're two hard games left, so we'll see. I want to go back quickly to Super League. Just one last question about it: Why were the players so silent? Were they really that scared that a team? They have no power. That's why I respect Andrew Herrera. First one to speak up. If the full team says, "Oh, we don't want to do this," like we're taking a stance, like what's the owner going to do? That's his team. But it's so interesting. I think the difference in culture between American sports and uh, European football um, in terms of in either players as individuals or as teams, like taking their own stance, like the say no to racism is across the board and, you know, kneeling is, as we all know, doing literally nothing at this point. And Wilfred Zaha is the only one I've heard of who has like said anything that is not like the, uh, you know, the company line of, you know, we're kneeling to say no to racism. He's like, no, you know, no, like that, it, that doesn't do anything anymore. And so like, and, you know, Rashford, uh, you know, all gets all of his flowers and all of his respect. Certainly like he is, you know, above and beyond in that sense. And in terms of, you know, calling out inequalities in, in England system, but it's, I just, it feels like so much more of a common occurrence in, uh, and this seems like such an easy one for uh, guys to take a stance against. So, yeah, I would love to hear other people's perspectives on that as well. I just had, I had one thought. Another thought that was running through my head was something that, um, who was it? Striker on Leeds, Banford, who said, you know, it's great that all of this is happening, but imagine what would it, like, imagine if we did this when there was racism. Like, imagine if everyone in the sport was like, no, like, we're not going to stand for this. This is absurd. Like, you will not play if people are being racially abused at the games, if players are being racially abused. 
But as soon as you threaten to take away soccer, everyone's like all up in arms, but like someone gets racially abused or like called the N-word or monkey and everyone's like, oh, well, yeah, that's bad. You shouldn't do that. But like, in reality, everyone should be having an outrage being like, this isn't okay. This should not be in our sport, but it shows you it's a good barometer on how far we have to go and where we actually are to the point where like, okay, people have shown what they can do and the amount of collective power we have when we stand up to billion dollar corporations and people but everyone really just cares about soccer a lot and less so about racism. I, yeah. I, but I think again, like if the, if like, I just don't, maybe the, the clubs just there have more power over the players than the teams in American sports do. But, you know, uh, after the, the police killing of, of George Floyd, there were uh, basketball games were suspended because teams, you know, refused to play until the NBA agreed to, to actually take, you know, some real action. Um, and you know, they, they should have held out longer. They were called upon by leaders to like, go back to playing, which was like a little bit strange. Um, but like, it's just, yeah, that's something that I've literally never seen or even heard about, but like, if somebody was racially abused at a basketball, football, hockey game, like, yeah, they would stop playing. Um, so it is, it is crazy in that sense. I mean, I think that like, the players that have the most power in the entire sport. They're the ones who play, they kick the ball. Like they're the ones that we pay to watch. Um, and I wonder like if we will start to see or continue to see the matriculation of players into the operations level of football clubs. And like, I don't know if it could happen, but potentially even into the ownership or collective ownership of football clubs. Like imagine if Liverpool was owned in part by like the players who played for the team. I think that would be a pretty like crazy thing. Also sick. Um, and they would have a lot more power in responding to things like racism and like trying to take a stand on it. Um, so I hear what you're, I, I hear what you're saying, Eric, like they have way more power in the U S than in European soccer. So I think this goes back a little to what I was saying in that the people in Europe have such a deep reverence for the sport and the league that doesn't really exist in the U S to the point where they would see it. Like it'd be disrespectful. I think in a lot of their eyes to go against the sport, and to disrespect the sport and and by proxy disrespect the fans like you can there's just it's such an embedded thing in their culture and as is racism and all all everything that goes along with that that people right now are, are afraid are more afraid of disrespecting the sport and the fans than they are standing up for social justice causes and i think that's a big difference in the u.s market and the european market is that the u.s market responds to that sort of stuff and has now you can capitalize on being social justice where Europe is not even close to that point yet. And I think that is such a huge difference where like, there's just not the same demand for social justice as there is in the US. Capitalism terms. I mean, I think there's, I think there's resistance in both the US and Europe. Like thinking back to Kaepernick taking the knee and like the people, especially in the NFL, this is like particularly strong, but like there are still, it's still majority white owners, like a lot of white fans who are probably some of the same people participating in like the racist demonstrations of the past year. You know, like there's probably some overlap there between the NFL and whatever. And also just the nature of sports, I think is that it does attract people who respect violence and physical contact. And sports in a lot of ways is like a modern arena where those people are able to live out their fantasies of violence to some extent. And that's true in both the US and the UK. But like the original point was both like, it's not like, I don't know. I don't think the U.S. has solved it by any means. You know, like I think there are a lot of examples of athlete activism in the U.S., but like 
there's still a lot of pernicious racism among fans in the U.S. too. And it's only been recently this year that leagues have started to realize, like, we need to distance ourselves from this part of our fan base who is racist. And the, the teams in the U.K. are starting to sort of figure out the same thing, but are having a lot more trouble doing it because there's actual racial abuse that happens, like, on a routine level at the grounds. And there's, like, actual, like, there's, like, actual anti-anti-racist demonstrations that happen with the White Lives Matter Burnley thing and other stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think both face that. I think both face that. I think Europe's like five years behind. Like the stuff that Kaepernick did, he was the example. Like he sacrificed himself so that this stuff could happen. Essentially, like this this whole movement does not happen without what without Kaepernick and what he did. He set us forward five years potentially in in addressing and moving to that stuff. And I think Europe is still always has been that way. It, it like it's always sort of been the U.S. culturally can like will be like five years ahead or ten years ahead of Europe. So I think it'd be interesting to see when that when they reach a level of of yeah involvement in that in that movement this is another thing that i was feeling which was a little extreme while the super league was happening but i felt that it was a little bit of a chickens coming home to roost situation like europe has been a massive colonialist empire for the last several hundred years and has the reason it's so wealthy is because it's exploited like huge sectors of the globe in a quest for wealth that has allowed them to accumulate a lot of it and now they're seeing like the ultimate like late stages of this like continued quest for wealth result in their own cultural products, which they like being left behind, right? Like, like, like it's these super leagues and super teams who are trying to make more money, which are leaving behind like the cultural product of soccer, which they value, right? It's a little bit of a chicken coming home to roost situation. And I would say this, I don't want to say they either, because if, they if something like this happened in the US, I'd say the same thing, you know? Like, I mean, um, it, is, it, it is somewhat strange that like the only time we fetter just, just free capitalism in America's when it comes to sports to maintain competitive balance. Like, I mean, okay, I get it a little because that results in a better product for consumers. But so arguably, yeah. so arguably, does letting a ton of dirty money come in and and have the teams that allow it in accumulate the best talent, and then having those teams face off against each other. So it's somewhat strange, I think, that like we are like. Oh yeah, like of course we have a salary cap. Like, why would it be any other way? And they're like, yes, but that's that? America too, because like part of the whole like America. Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Jake also got rocked into the boards. I got rocked in the boards. Eric, I was like guarding the ball as he was coming back to Will. And this guy like fell behind me. Like he didn't even push me. Like literally just rocked me into the boards. Dude, my the the top to bottom open system then of European football. It, when combined possibly with the idea of a salary cap could potentially actually realize that sense of, you know, American yeah. opportunity and upward mobility. We should write, oh, a, yes. write a thesis. It would give a new, give a new league, new league coming. The that emerging... would be the most egalitarian format. Yeah, exactly. Salary capped yep. balanced thing where everyone had a relatively oh, equal chance based on sporting merit. Yeah. The problem is that it's too open of a system. Like you couldn't yeah. implement something like that at a European level, you know, where every club in Europe had to adhere to a salary cap. No, and but, if you did, maybe teams in, in Asia would start to get good or in South America, you know, people go where the money is. Right, right, right. But, but except that, you know, the Chinese league has had all this money for all this time and, you know, they, they got Oscar like, and Hulk, like, yeah, I'll give them that. But imagine but, if, imagine if all the Premier League teams were only allowed to spend as much as Sheffield United. Of, of they course. They get a lot more. 
No, it, exactly, exactly. But I, I, my, I'm just still wondering. I, I agree with you that people go where the money is, um, but I, it just doesn't seem like the the Chinese league has has panned out that way at least thus far. Like it's sort of ML, MLS type, where you know, like what well, the MLS won't get like Oscar in his prime, but uh, they get like aging superstars too. I feel like China does same as US. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think we've exhausted the economics. <laughs> the economics major looks like he's about to off himself over here. Um, Spencer and Noah in our in our we call Eric because he's in the group in the group chat for our team this weekend playing in the Chelsea Peers League. Some guy grabbed me by the throat in our game. I got a red card. What did you do, Jay? What did you do? You can yeah, actually, yeah. you can actually ask Will like basically like it definitely should have been a penalty. I was like coming back to help Will and he like kind of got around Will and I kind of clipped his ankle. And then the ref called like a, a dive on you can't like slide tackle or fall on that. So they called like a foul on him pretty much is what it equates to. And then he was like chirping. He's Portuguese. He's like chirping in, in Portuguese. And I kind of pushed him back. And then he pushed me and whoever retaliates always gets the card. It's how sports work. Yeah. So he gets a yellow card and then he's chirping some more. So I pushed him again and just like a quick jab to the throat. <laughs> <laughs> and the ref didn't see it. And Will's like, he just grabs his throat. And the ref was like, red card. And then the kid like refused to leave the sideline, splash water on Charlie, and then like had to get kicked out of Chelsea Pierce. Oh, wow. I like this team that. Oh my God.